0: This has been the defining Test match rivalry of the 21st century. These two teams have dished out classics almost every other time they have faced off. The latest chapter comes with the added layers of context. India seeking to make the World Test Championship final. Australia striving to do what no visiting team has managed to do in over a decade, win a Test series in India. The Border Gawaskar Trophy 2023 is just a couple of days away. It's a big occasion and we knew we have to roll out the big guns for this one. So it gives us great pleasure on ESPN Trick and Four to be welcoming back 2 longtime friends, Ian Chappell and Sanjay Mandrekar, need absolutely no introductions. I'm not gonna waste any time over there. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your company. You have set up several India-Australia classics in the past for us. I'm looking ahead to this next hour of conversation, building ahead to this series. I'm gonna give you First Strike, Chapelle. You wouldn't have thought there'd be uh, Australian captains ever saying that a Test Series win anywhere would be bigger than the Ashes, but that's what Pat Cummins is saying. That's what Stephen Smith is saying. Uh, Do you agree with that sentiment, given everything that's happened in the last couple of decades between India and Australia?
1: Well, I mean, if you're asking me about a Test Series, I just thought that every series was important. So, obviously, that meant that uh, if we were playing India, it was very important. Um, Obviously, there was the great rivalry um, uh, because of the history between Australia and England. But uh, I, I just thought that if you were playing a test match, you had to try and win it. If you were playing a test series, you had to try and win it. So, all wins were important. So, I must say it's a bit of a surprise to me to hear uh, an Australian captain say, this could well be the most important uh, series of the lot.
0: Sanjay, uh, good to see you here. Uh, the last three instalments in particular of the Borugavska Trophy have been absolute blockbusters. Uh, before we start looking ahead, let's jog back a bit. What do you are the, are the memories that resonate the most from the last few editions of the Borugavska Trophy?
2: Uh, thank you for having me, and great to be with Chapelli again after a long time. Uh, and just a quick correction in the introduction that you made earlier, there's just one big gun that you have as a guest. I'm just a Indian rep uh, who's followed Indian cricket with a lot of uh, interest. So so when I look back at India's performance against Australia, especially in Australia, I mean, after 47 years, I think it was that India won a series, uh, the one before the last uh, visit. What resonates with me from that series was Pujara getting 300s. So India's batting finally you know, stood up you know, in got enough runs for their bowlers to do the job. Indian bowling away from India has got more potent. And the last series has to be Ruchapad, the way he won that test in Brisbane. So that uh, is something that stayed with me. But this is a completely different contest. When any team comes to India, uh, it just becomes a, a very different kind of uh, a series where you start off You know, almost on a default setting, believing that India should dominate.
0: the start of any India-Australia series, uh, pitch talk dominates a lot of the discourse. It's happening this time as well. Uh, But, uh, Chappelle, we saw you dismiss it in a way very few can, or very few at least choose to. So, I'm not going to go down that route. Instead, I'm going to ask you, if you look at the way India have dominated, at home in particular, just two losses in the last 42 tests they've played over a decade, and it's not always been about the pitch. There have been very different conditions. So what do you stands out about this last decade of India dominating tests at home?
1: Well, I think that's one of the first things you've got to do as an opposing player is to forget about the pitch because in essence it's the same pitch for both sides. So, you know, I mean I'm talking a long time ago when I went to India, but My feeling was that we had a chance because I knew we had some players who could play spin and I thought to myself, we're a chance to get 300 most of the time in India and if we could get 300, I felt with our bowling attack uh, that we always had a chance of winning. So I think that's what the Australian team has got to do. Whatever the pitch is, that's what you've got to play on and that's what you've got to find a way to make runs on. So my feelings, without knowing what the pitches are going to be like, um, I, I'd be, if I was Pat Cummins, I'd be saying to the side, if we can get 350 and if we can score those runs reasonably quickly, then we're giving our bowlers longer than long, as long as possible to take the 20 wickets. And that's the most important thing in test cricket. It's one of it's probably one of the toughest, if not the toughest, things to do in Test cricket to take the 20 wickets, but it's also very enjoyable. So Australia have have got a feel. I mean, unfortunately, they've got um, they've got a couple of injuries to their pace attack, but if they've got a full pace attack and they've got line, that's a very good attack, and that's the sort of attack you can say. If we get 350 reasonably quickly, we'll win more than we lose. Now, who Australia come up with in the first test with two quickies out, that's that's a bit of a lottery. But Australia have got to basically just decide that we've got to play well on this pitch, whether we bat first, we bowl first. Whatever you're doing, you're going to have to do it well on the pitch that's provided. Forget what you think the pitch might be. Uh, forget all those things. Just play on the pitch that is presented.
0: Sanjay, do you want to warrant a guess as to what sort of surfaces we can expect to see through these four tests?
2: Uh, it's a different team management now, and my, uh, you know, experience as a player and now as somebody who watches Indian cricket very closely is that uh, uh, the team management has some kind of a role to play in the kind of pitches that you get. It's something that's. Uh, uh not out there, it's not part of the protocol, but that happens when I played in the 90s with Azaruddin and Wadekar as the team management, the guys, uh, you know, coach and captain, we had certain kind of pitches. Under Ravi and uh, Virat also, we had ranked turners. I think that is a pretty accurate description of a pitch, that they were not just uh, typical Indian turning pitches, they were turning from day one. And I completely agree with Chapelle. It's the same for both sides. So I, I really... Uh, you know, when people complain about uh, whatever, whether it's the, uh, you know, the pitch or uh, sometime when there's a new factor that comes in over a day-night test match, it's the same for both sides. Everybody gets a fair share of it. So my, uh, you know, that is the first point of interest for me. This is a new team management, Rohit Sharma and Rahul Drabit, and whether uh, they have any influence on the kind of conditions that we get. But considering that there's so much build-up and there is so much of anticipation, and because there is so much respect for the Australian side, uh, India have always sort of gone into wanting or desiring pitches that turn from day one. That just makes their job a little easier. So my guess uh, is I'm not very confident about it because of the new team management. If it was Virat and Ravi, I would have said definitely, you know, pitches that will turn from the first session. Uh, With this management, I'm not so sure, but if I have to make a guess, I think let's, uh, you know, brace ourselves for pitches that will turn from day one.
0: It can go either way. One of the more turning surfaces from the last time Australia were in India was, of course, in that first test in Pune. And we know how that ended. It was Australia who did all the domination, O'Keefe running through India and Australia winning by 300 plus runs. Right. Let's let's now build ahead to this series. Uh, we'll we'll get uh, to the more specifics about the first test a little later in the conversation. But let's we've identified some of the broader themes. There is no broader theme when a visiting come visiting team is in India than how their batters will tackle India spinners, will tackle the threat of the surfaces. Trapeli, you've laid out the the sort of template: score runs, score it quick, give your bowlers the time. It's something Australia managed to do with a lot of ease in tests at home, but On the field, in India, how easy or not is it going to be for Australia to actually do that as a batting unit?
1: Well, I think that's one of the big questions and it's been interesting to read in Australia some... I mean, I don't worry too much about the media because a lot of them wouldn't know what they're talking about. But there have been some ex-players who have said that Australia are favourites. Well, I think that's a pretty silly thing to say. Uh, if you're in India with that, with that good, very good side, and that's even bearing in mind that Rishabh Pant won't be there, I think it's very hard to do anything other than stay well. India will be start favourites. That doesn't mean they're going to win the series, but they should start favourites. So, what's going to be interesting to me is to see how the Australian players, batsmen in particular, play in India. Now, they've built up some very good reputations in Australia and there's some good, very good players in Australia. But batting in Australia is a lot different to batting in India. And there's only one player, and that's Stephen Smith, who has uh, built a very good record on his play in India. So he's established himself. I think um, you've got to go to a place, even like India, you've got to go playing the way you play and and that's one thing that you discover pretty early on, be yourself. So I think they've got to be themselves. It's no good somebody saying, oh, I'm going to start suddenly going to start using my feet uh, coming down the track or going back quickly to the spinners if that's not what you normally do because you'll get into huge trouble in India. So I'm going to be very interested to see how uh, the rest of the players other than Steve Smith who is a good player of spin bowling. I'm going to be interested to see how the rest of them play in India. And and those that try and play a different game to what they normally play, you, you've got to make some adjustments, sure. But don't try and change your way of playing. Because if you do that, I think you'll get into huge trouble.
0: The reference point is England. I mean, the way England succeeded in Pakistan on what were flat tracks, Scoring those runs, that volume of runs as quickly, and then thereby giving their bowlers the time to get the 20 wickets. Do you think this Australian batting unit has it in them to go about uh, batting that way against India if they were, say, batting first?
2: The big uh, difference between uh, pitches in Pakistan and India is obviously the turn. And the difficulty factor for visiting teams to come and basically survive. Uh, The history of all touring teams coming to India and playing on our pitches that they've just struggled to survive forget about you know scoring quick quickly and getting runs on the board so that is the basic difference even when pakistan played a lot of cricket in the uae uh, the pitches allowed the foreign teams to come in and play the kind of you know at least get some runs on the board england went one step further you know they looked to dominate play differently but the pitches allowed them to do that the same england side if they have the same tactics against india on the kind of pitches that we we've, we've had I remember England trying it with a couple of players the, you know, from when they were last here, uh, not the trip uh, that was there the last time when they came and played uh, the day-night test match in Ahmedabad, but the one before that, people like Butler who batted down the order, tried to take on the Indian spinners and failed badly at it. So Australia, whether they're capable of doing what England did in Pakistan, you know, I don't think we should really be comparing that as an option for Australia because the pitches are totally different. And to play that brand of cricket, maybe one guy can do it down the order against certain spinners. Rishabh Panth has done that individually. But as a team to come in uh, with that tactic, as uh, Chapelle said, it's going to be hazardous because you're playing really outside your natural, uh, you know, natural approach that you have. So the thing is to go in there and find out for yourself what you need to do to survive. So I think that's the way to go about instead of getting influenced by another team. That had some success in the subcontinent, but that is subcontinent. India again, when you compare uh, Indian pitches with Pakistan and Bangladesh or Sri Lanka, they're pretty unique.
0: Right. So that's the challenge of the surface. Let's now talk about the challenge of the specific bowlers. The last two times Australia have visited India in eight tests, Ravichandran Ashwin and Ravindra Jadeja have taken a combined haul of ninety-nine wickets. Australia, we've seen, are pulling out all stops to prepare for Ashwin. They got a clone. In the nets to try and best prepare for the challenges that he brings how do you go about tackling r ashwin when he's bowling in india you saw uh, you would have seen the footage from the nets uh do you, how do you think australia go about this challenge playing ravi chandran ashwin in india
2: it's not going to be easy um you know the thing that I admire about Ashwin, when Ashwin bowls, we talk about all the skills that he has, uh, you know, the thing that he does with his fingers, the uh, variations that he has. Uh, he doesn't use all of them in test matches, but we forget one very important thing about Ravichan and Ashwin, especially on Indian pitches, is the accuracy with which he bowls. Ashwin rarely bowls a bad ball, and that aspect of Ashwin is often something that we take very lightly when you see foreign spinners coming and bowling on indian pitches where there's a lot of turn and if you're not accurate the turn allows the batters to get width to play shots so accuracy is the most important quality you need to succeed on indian pitches and that is why ashwin has a great record in india and Jadeja as well both are very very accurate spinners and to have a tactic against Ashwin, having a clone or practicing against uh, somebody like Ashwin, it's a good preparation, but really the hard work and the smartness has to come in by going in and finding a way to survive, your own way to survive and not, you know, have a preconditioned uh, approach. And I have from personal experience and just watching foreign batters come and struggle on Indian pitches, I've said many times in commentary, even as uh, an India player, playing some really good domestic spinners on turning pitches. I found the first 10 minutes absolutely sort of impossible for me to survive, you know, because you're sort of looking at what's happening. There are, there are these guys around uh, at short legs, silly point slip, the ball is turning a mile and you think, how are you going to survive? But you've just got to find a way to survive the first few minutes. And I've seen that happen with some foreign battles. When they survive that phase, they just find a way to play on that kind of a pitch and that particular bowler. So any batter who can do that, then you have a chance of putting up 250, 300 runs on the board. And when you do that, especially with this Indian batting lineup that you have, then you have a chance. But I've seen most foreign batters come and overreact to what they see in the first 10 minutes when they go out there.
0: Trapeli, how do you consider Uh, The Ashwin threat, especially the added dimension that often happens in home tests for India. The Ashwin will take the new ball, the pitch is taking turn. That's obviously something most Australian batters aren't accustomed to facing. So how do you assess that challenge for Australia?
1: Sancho makes two very important points. Firstly, you you should not consider Pakistan the same as India. They are two totally different uh, circumstances and uh different reactions to spin bolus in in my opinion india uh the spin bolus will have a far greater effect so ashwin uh, to the australian batsman could be a problem the other thing i agree with Stanja is that that first 10 minutes as a visiting batsman is crucial and that's the thing you've got to get in your mind in india how do i survive those first 10 minutes and I remember when I first went to India, you're thinking with all the fieldsmen around you, you're thinking, where's my next run coming from? But after a while, you work out how not only you survive, but you can score the odd run. And the the, big, the two big things that I found in India is watching the ball really closely. You've, you've got to watch the ball a lot more in India than you do in Australia. Watch it right onto the bat. That's the first thing. The second thing you realise is I, I liken it to a clay uh, tennis court compared with a grass tennis court. The grass, the ball will skid on and come quickly. With the clay, it hits and just just hesitates for a fraction of a second. And you realise in India that that fraction of a second not only gives you time to survive, but if you're playing really well, to perhaps push a single and score the run and get down the other end. Now, that's the important thing as a batsman, uh, say an Australian batsman in India. He's going to have to be proactive. He cannot let a guy like R. Ashwin bowl the way he wants to. Now, it's, it's a battle of Ashwin's brain against the batsman's brain. But if you allow Ashwin to bowl exactly the way he wants to, you're in big trouble. So that's and, and proactive doesn't mean hitting sixes and fours. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's more frustrating if you're just getting a single and getting down the other end, because then the bowl is not bowling to you. Whereas if you think about it, you hit a six or a four, who's he bowling to? Same batsman. So That's what the Australian batsmen have got to do, not just with Ashwin, but uh, all the Indian bowlers. They've got to be proactive, but they've got to be sensibly proactive and they've got to keep the scoreboard ticking over. So how you do that, and and that's not to say it's going to be easy doing it against uh, Ashwin or a lot of the other Indian bowlers, but as an Australian player, you've got to find a way to do it.
0: And if they do get past Ashwin, of course, Sanjay, there is Ravinder Jadeda, who incidentally was actually the leading wicket-taker the last time Australia played a test series in India. Uh, he's obviously coming back from a long layoff. Uh, it's been July was the last time he played a test. He did test his knee out in a Ranji game, got wickets as well. But uh, could he potentially be vulnerable given the long absence from international cricket? Or do you still count on him as just that season hand?
2: I think it's a good... Um question and obviously we'll have to see him actual uh, match situation, test match situation with uh, maybe, uh, you know, better batters uh, facing him, we'll have to see that. But having seen Jadija over the years, He's taken his time from that knee injury and uh, it's a good thing that he's not been picked straight away into the squad uh, just by passing a fitness test. He's actually played a rungy game, bowled a lot of overs, didn't get too many runs. But uh, more importantly for India, they need that bowler, Jadija. Uh, because he's so fit and strong and athletic, uh, you won't see a massive difference between uh, Jadija, who's playing every game for India, versus somebody who's had a bit of a layoff. So I expect him. Uh, to be still the force that he has been. Maybe it'll take a little longer to get into his stride. Uh, But, um, yeah, uh, you know it is something that, again, we'll have to see with interest whether anything's changed at all with Jadija, the bowler. But uh, then they've got Akshar Patel as well, who's proved to be as good as Jadija when he's played in test matches on the kind of pitches that we have, in fact, he outbolled Ashwin with regards to number of wickets in that series against England. So India is pretty secure on that front.
0: Uh, what have you made of Aksar Patel uh, in his test career so far?
1: Uh, well, it's very difficult because I saw a lot of him against England. And I would have to say that what I saw of England's batting, it's the worst I've ever seen spin bowling play. And I've said this about English cricket a lot. I, I don't say it now because I think they're well captained, But in the past, I've said about England, if you want to work out how to play in international cricket, watch what England do, do exactly the opposite, and you'll be on the right track. And what I would say is for the Australians, if they're silly enough to have a look at India playing against England in India the last time, if they're silly enough to watch any of that, watch what England do and do exactly the opposite, you've got a chance. So, up Patel, I... I mean, I'm not sure whether he'll play. Uh, listening to Ravi uh, last night, he seemed to think that what well, his choice was more cool dove than uh, Aksar because he felt that Aksar is a very similar bowler uh, to Jardasia. Um, I'm I'm not sure whether India will go that way. No. I get the feeling that India might uh, say, well. Chardes uh, is going to keep the wood on uh, Australia. Let's keep him tied down and, and work on Axar Patel. And I think Patel bats a bit better than Kaldip. But whoever it is, um, again, if you let him bowl, if you let Axar Patel bowl the way he wants to bowl, uh, you're in big trouble.
0: For a team to come out and do well in any Test match, you want the Openers to deliver. Australia, of course, have David Warner, who does that with a lot of ease at home. But his track record in the subcontinent, Chapelle, hasn't been the greatest. He just has two centuries, both of which came in the same series against Bangladesh in 2017. How does David Warner address his track record batting in the subcontinent?
1: I, I think David Warner is a pretty smart cricketer. And uh, he's, he's got a very good cricket brain. I've spoken to him at different times about his batting, about the way that he, he sees the bowlers approaching him and to me he's got a very good uh, grasp i i saw him early days in india um it probably almost goes back i can't remember now whether it was still new south wales the first time i saw him play he tried to hit the ball really hard and of course he was mistiming it and not placing it and virtually the next time he batted which was only two or three days later he was not hitting the ball so hard timing it placing it into gaps and he played well I think if that's the sort of David Warner that shows up he I mean India have got to approach David Warner as being a very dangerous player because the thing about David Warner is if he gets going he'll score quickly and that's important for Australia but not quite as important but very important is if he's playing well, it makes it a bit easier for the guy down the other end. It makes it a bit easier for the fellows who are coming in after him. So, to me, if Warner plays well and plays sensibly, that'll be vital for Australia.
0: David Warner's number one, of course, uh, but uh, Stephen Smith follows a little later. And Sanjay, what he did the last time Australia were here was has to rank among the all-time great performances by a visiting batter, especially if you look at the 21st century. Uh, he's obviously been through so much in the years since that 2017 Border Gavaskar Trophy. Been back among the runs. He was the reason Australia came as close as they did last time. Do you expect the same to uh, unfold this time as well, Sandeer?
2: Five, six years is a long time. And you, we mentioned that test match in Pune, where Australia had a great start. Uh, Keefe getting all those wickets. But uh, that innings of Steve Smith in that particular test match cannot be... Uh, you know, forgotten. I regard that as uh, one of the two best innings that I've seen in the last uh, in the modern era from a foreign player, overseas batter, Steve Smith's 100 on a landmine in uh, in Pune and Kevin Peterson at the 1K Stadium in that uh, 2013 series. So those were the two great innings that I saw on Indian pitches. Uh, I have no idea whether Steve Smith will be able to bat in the same fashion but uh, very early in the program Chapelle mentioned that the one batter who has the potential and the ability and the track record to be like Joe Root was for England in India is uh, Steve Smith all the others come with great form a lot of runs behind them but uh, that's test cricket sure in Australia but this is test cricket in India it's a completely different sport almost a you know a different ball game playing on those Indian pitches but the one guy who has that ability? And uh, if you know, we, we expect Australia to get some runs on the board. Steve Smith will have to
1: lead that uh, particular uh, charge. What I've seen in Australia, Steve Smith's a very good player, and and he's a good player wherever he plays. But I've seen a lot of bowling attacks to allow Steve Smith to play exactly how he, <clears throat> me, exactly how he wants to, and. He's not an unsettled player. So, to me, if the Indians want to get on top of uh, Steve Smith and they want to contain him, and I think that's that's pretty important because if India don't contain Steve Smith, it could mean trouble for them. But if, you, if you're going to contain not, not just Steve Smith, any batsman, if you let them play exactly how they want to and you don't give them something to think about and you don't have them a little unsettled and a bit jumpy, then most really good players, and Steve Smith is a really good player, they'll make they'll make a lot of runs. So, India India have got to have uh, some sort of plan to make life awkward for Steve Smith.
0: Let's talk about India's batting too. Now, as much as we've built up about visiting teams having a tough time, Sanjay, uh, let's just go through, run through some of India's batters. Rohit Sharma, he's played two test matches in the last 17 months. KL Rahul's form has been indifferent. Shiteshwar Pujara averages just about 20 in the last two or three years at home. Virat Kohli averages 26 in the last three years in all tests. And they're without Rishabh Pant, who's definitely been their best batter of the last couple of years. And Shreya Iyer, who's been so impressive in the last year. So when you put it that way, is it troubling for an Indian perspective that their batting might not be in the best shape
2: going into a series as big as this one? Nothing more to add. You've just actually stated facts and that is uh, the other point of interest for me. I think Indian bowling is pretty good. Even if uh, the pitch doesn't turn too much, they've got three quality seamers on these kind of uh, pitches. Mohamed Siraj, Shami and Umesh Yadav is a a great trio to have on Indian pitches if there is no turn. If there's plenty of turn, I mean, just imagine Ashwin, Jadeja, Akshar Patel and Kuldeep Yadav. There's great depth and quality Indian, in in uh, Indian bowling, but not often do you say this. Also on Indian pitches, you mention the numbers, and that is the concern, and that is where Australia have a chance with regards to India's current uh, batting strength, based purely on current form. And because Australia is considerably weakened, it just allows India to you know get off on a slightly more positive note. If Australia were full strength with the bowling attack because Australia will have batting issues Um, if their bowling was as high quality as India's is, although with a a different kind of personnel and style, uh, it would have been um, maybe a more interesting start to the series. But because Australia is weakened, it allows India a chance to start on a winning note. But yes, uh, you know, the points that you mentioned, Rohit Sharma has missed eight out of the last ten test matches. And before that, Rohit Sharma hit, the peak of his career and the way he batted against England, which was absolutely brilliant. And it was amazing for, to see a guy at that age, at that stage of his career, who's had so much success in white ball cricket, invest himself so heavily into test batting. It was just a treat to watch him uh, play that uh, series where the last test match was then played a little later. He missed that one. So if Roy Sharma can pick up from there, wow, India have a pretty, you know, good high quality top order batter, but the gap has been too long. He has hardly played much. Uh, After that, then the issues begin. Kale Rahul, after 45 tests, is averaging 35. He's a very unique case, actually. Uh, You know, Chapelle, I was just looking at his record as well, and it's something that you see with him. Generally, when you get 100, it just propels you into uh, form and you get, you know, scores after that 100, and then you carry that form into the next few innings. Gail Raoul is the exact opposite for somebody who has such class and uh, ability to play good pace, bowling, pace and bounce, a good player, spin high quality batter. He gets a hundred and then the dry run begins. Started with England when he got a hundred in that oval test match, I think 2019 it may have been. And then there were a few test matches at home, average just about 15 in the next five. Recently got a superb hundred as captain in South Africa, hundred and a 50 and then averages 17 or something in the next five test matches. They didn't have a great series in Bangladesh as well. So Indian selectors and team management would also be thinking after 45 tests in this era, if you've got a batter who's averaging just 35, should we look at Shubman Gill? Or do we, you know, respect the fact that Kail Rahul has this ability to get 100? And maybe that would be the thing they would do. But Pujara? <laughs> that he's made a comeback uh, I just feel that India still need Pujara because of the problem that they've had and you made a very good point about Richard Pant he has been by far India's best test batter in the last two test matches uh, two years beg your in
0: these last couple of years what's also happened uh, for India is that while they've had issues with either the form or the fitness of them or established testers the middle order has has driven the runs Pant we don't need to mention Shreyas Iyer in the last year has been one of their most impressive players of spin. Pant is out of the series. Shreyas Iyer definitely misses the first test, and you have an uncapped option who has dominated white ball cricket like anything in the last year in Surya Kumar Yadav. The idea we, we hear is that 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 enables India to have that enforcer option to have someone who can counter punch from the middle order, especially against spin. So how do you stand, Chapelle, about the idea of Surya Kumar Yadav, uncapped so far in tests, maybe getting a chance to fill that gap?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know much more than seeing him in the World Cup. And uh, he was freakish in the World Cup. Um, And it it is, it's very good to have somebody, particularly in the middle order, who can counterattack. I mean, I had the good fortune to, uh, lead sides that had a, a, an aggressive opener, and then we had a guy like Doug Walters in the middle order, who was a great counter attacker. And he, I'm sure, he won us games because the opposition thought when he came in, uh, well, Doug will be trying to fight his way through and get a get a few runs, uh, just working his way through. Whereas Doug would just come in and play his normal game and suddenly take control of the game, and and that that can be very disturbing for the opposition. And that was the role that the Rishabh Pant could play. So if, if they think that Yadav can do that job in the middle order, um, I think it's very important. But under Indian conditions, I, I think you've got to do it sensibly, not... Um, uh, and, and if you're going to try and take on, say, Nathan Lyon on a regular basis and hit him in the air, that's where I think you can get into trouble. You've got to be very uh, sensible about where you're going to loft him. Uh, uh, I mean, I guess the tendency with the modern bat is to look at a fielder in the outfield and say, well, I can clear him, no problem, bang, and hit one straight over his head. Now, I think if you're going to try and play that way, Against a, a bowler like Nathan Lyon, you you're in trouble. You could be in trouble. So if if he if they feel that they need a counter attacker, and I'm I'm all for a counter attacker, uh, but I think he's got to do it sensibly. And the the things that I saw him do in the in the World Cup, admittedly it's a it's a T20 game, and you do play a lot differently in T20, but he did appear to me to be the sort of player who had a good head on his shoulders. So, if he takes that into the test arena and he attacks when the opportunity is there and gives the Australian bowlers something to think about, he'll be a big danger. Uh,
2: The fact is, I think Surya will play the first test uh, because Surya is not available. So, there is a spot at number five for Surya. Uh, So, I think he will play with Bharat at uh, number six, uh, a keeper. Uh, that's the likely playing 11. Uh, Surya has played about 79 first class games. You know, This is a, a, a very uh, unique career that we are seeing evolve. He's been around for a long time. He's played a lot of first class cricket, 79 first class matches. As I said, average 44. He's got 1,400. And then suddenly, this T20 game that is found, and he's become, I think, arguably the best T20 batter in the world. But let's not forget. That he has this pedigree of being a prolific run getter at the first-class level, so the first thing is I think uh, he he'll be in the playing eleven because India don't have any other option. If you a year was fit, I think they would have maybe kept Surya Kumar Yadav for later, so a year would have been the obvious choice. Uh, now I've watched Surya play in 50 years cricket, and it's interesting, you know, he uh, from that um, the transition that he had to make from T20 to 50 years cricket, and the only thing when I watch him. Uh, is that if he decides, even in 50 overs cricket, to not hit the ball in the air for a while, he'll still score at a strike at a 120. And that ability he has, he's not just a uh, six hitter. He can play the sweep shot with great control, which is a great shot to just put off uh, the opposite uh, spinner if he's dominating. The other Indian batters don't play the sweep shot as much. And I know for a fact that the Indian team management is a little concerned that their batters don't play the sweep shot as much because it's a shot that you can play off a good ball. And when your field is around, then Surya Kumar Yadav is one of the best, uh, you know, exponent of that particular shot. It's just amazing the variety that he has. So if he just tells himself that I'm going to play exactly the same way, but not hit the ball in the air, he'll still get you test runs at a strike rate of 80. So that is what Surya Kumar Yadav needs to do. I think he's got um, a sensible head on his shoulder. Rishabh Pant was, <laughs> you know, smarter than him. And because India have seen the benefits of having somebody like a Pant with that approach, they won some important test matches, dominated some important test matches, recovered from troubling situations because of Rishabh Pant's approach. Surya is going to be the guy who, uh, you know, replace uh, Rishabh Pant's approach down the order. So that's another a very interesting element to watch out for. So we have already talked about seven or eight interesting factors to look forward to. It's going to be a great series.
0: Yes. Now, you've made a compelling argument, both of you, for Surya Kumar Yadav to be India's number five. But Sanjay, one question to you. If India decide to go with KL Rahul, who's also the match vice captain as opener, that then means that Shubman Gill, who presently is the most informed batter in the country, does not find a spot in in this team are you are you suggesting there's no room
2: for gil then uh, see gail got 100 in bangladesh uh, but then in that last test match that india almost lost we saw him bat on turning pitches how convincing was that see the interesting thing is that uh, i've discovered now with all three formats well established and we've had a pretty good look at all three formats we shouldn't get too carried away by 50 overs performances uh, it's the easiest format for batters to get runs and to lead people to believe that they are informed so brilliant Shubman gill getting that double hundred there's plenty of class there as well his t20 runs i found more impressive because there is a challenge straight away and you've got to find a way of, to, of scoring quickly but given a choice between Shubman gill down the order and surya kumari down the order uh, i would be Tempted to go with Suryakumar Yadav, the team management might back Shubman Gill because of his, of his current form. But if they are brave, they might look at K L Rahul, look at his entire career, the way he's gone, and Shubman Gill gets his top spot uh, based on his current form, and that's where he's got his runs as well in the other formats.
0: Chapeli, where do you stand on Shubman Gill? He played an iconic knock at Gabba, which is not remembered too much because of everything that happened later in the knock. But that chase was set up by Shubman Gill scoring 91 as opener. He's taken off as uh, Sanjay just mentioned in the last couple of uh, months in other formats. Uh, does he have to be in India's Test eleven? And where would he bat for you?
1: Nobody has to be in a side; uh, they've got to play well. But yeah, I, I would think to myself, as looking on from outside, that if Shubman Gill's not in the Indian side, then they're in pretty good shape because I think he's a very good player. But it's a little hard to judge from afar because I look at India and I think to myself, why the hell isn't Hardik Pandya in that test side? Because to me, Hardik Pandya is the sort of player that India need. He's the type who can bowl at a pretty lively pace. Uh, He can play as an all-rounder. I think he's a, a pretty useful batsman and he's a damn good fielder. So to me... I look at the Indian side and I think as an outsider, one of the first guys I'd be picking is Hardik Pandir. Now, you hear that Pandir, uh, you know, might not be as fit as they, you know, for bowling as they want and so on. But here's a point. Um, How much do you listen to the medical people and how much do you trust your gut as a cricketer? Now, obviously, I'm from the old school and you've got Stark and Hazelwood who are out of the first test. Now, okay, Stark's not gonna be there. But if I'm Pat Cummins, I'm gonna be saying to Stark and to Hazelwood, do you think he can get through five days of test cricket? And if one or both of them tell me they can, then I'm thinking about picking them. Because I base that on the fact that if I'm captain of the side that I had, I'm saying to Dennis, if if some medical man comes up and says, oh, Dennis Lilly can't play, I'll say, just hang on a minute, mate. And i go to Dennis and I'll say, mate, can you get through five days of test cricket? And if Dennis Lilly, we're not talking about an immature young player. We're talking about a seasoned player, as are both Stark and Hazelwood. And they know how to get through five days of test cricket. So if Lily tells me I'm fit to go five days, I'm saying to the medical guys, go and do your doctoring somewhere else. Don't come and tell me about it. Lily's playing. Uh, And now I I hope that Pat has that sort of control over the Australian side because medical people, I, I don't know how many times I've heard a story of a medical guy telling a guy, oh, you'll never play sport again. And the next thing, The fellow's a bloody world champion at whatever sport he's playing. (laughs) And you think to yourself, you know, how did they get it so wrong? But you've got to know, you've got to know what's in the guy's heart and you've got to know what's in his head. And some guys, and Lily was definitely one of them, some guys will, they'll set out to disprove a medical person. If the medical person says, oh, no, he can't do it, Lily would be one of the first to say, oh, we'll see about that, mate. So, Now, are Stark and Hazelwood out of the same cloth? I'm not sure because I'm not in the team. But if I'm Pat Cummins, I definitely want to ask them, do they think they can get through five days? Because they are going to know what they've got to do to get through five days.
0: Yes, those fitness concerns to Stark and Hazelwood, of course, represent a selection dilemma of sorts for Australia in picking their bowling attack. I'll come to that in just a bit. But I do need to address one Indian batting point. Sanjay, I'll bring this to you. In his last 11 innings at home, Virat Kohli has fallen nine times to spin. Some of them were grubbers. Some of them were unfortunate dismissals. But nine dismissals out of 11. uh, Nathan Lyon has got him out four times in nine innings when he's bowled to him in India. How does Virat Kohli approach Nathan Lyon specifically in this series?
2: I will take the last dismissal in a test match for Virat Kohli in Bangladesh against Mehdi Hassan. Uh, the ball was about short of good length. Virat Kohli was full stretch forward, but the ball was still about maybe three feet away from him where it pitched, hit his glove, and got, got back bad. And that is uh, a thing that I've seen with Virat Kohli, despite, you know, his greatness. And he, he's always been a wonderful player of spin, but off late, obviously, because of, uh, you know, the kind of form that he's had, the pressures that he carries with himself the one thing a very simple observation that i have with Virat Kohli, uh, is his judgment of length and especially when it comes to spinners and if there's something in the pitch for the spinners uh, you can maybe get away on occasions uh, not judging the length of a fast bowler properly because the ball is coming straight off the pitch. uh, With spinners, if you don't judge the length well, and that is paramount uh, that I've discovered very early in my playing days, that if you're playing a spinner on a turning pitch, that when the ball leaves the hand, the first decision you've got to make is, is this a ball that I can get under my bat onto the front foot? If not, I'm gonna play that ball off the back foot. And that judgment of length has somewhere, you know, gone a little all right. For Virat Kohli, and that ha- I have found has been the reason. Mental is one of the toughest guys out there. I mean, he, he, we are talking about a great Indian batter. But if he can just work that aspect out, I don't know whether he's aware. But just watching him for all these years and watching all his dismissals, even in T20s on occasions, uh, you get the impression that he's not judging length well. There have been occasions when balls have been pitched up; he's gone on the back foot and the off stump got knocked out. That happened in Bangladesh. The next uh, test match he was playing everything off the front foot, played front foot to a ball that was not full enough getting out. So yes, that's something Virat Kohli has to work out. And that is why I believe Indian batting is a bit of an issue. And the one batter was bailing India out uh, from tricky situations was Rishabh and to an extent Jadeja as well in, in foreign conditions. So yes, Virat Kohli. Again, that's the other interesting aspect to look at as to how Virat Kohli, you know, copes with the challenges in test matches. And if he gets runs in this test series, and I'm talking about, you know, good uh, runs, big runs, then you can finally say, yes, Virat Kohli is back at his best.
0: any any word of advice from you to Virat Kohli if you were to ask you how to tackle this threat right now?
1: No, I wouldn't be giving it. Well, I wouldn't be giving advice to any batsman, but certainly not Virat Kohli. But uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's an interesting point that that Sanjay makes. But I mean, there's a reason why Virat Kohli is one of the best players in world cricket. That's because he's smart. Now, everybody, well, everybody I've uh, played with, um, they go through a bit of a rough drop, and Kohli may have gone through his rough drop, but. I, I, I'm, I'm with Stanjay that if Virat Kohli plays well in this series, it's going to make a hell of a difference to India and it's going to make Australia's job a hell of a lot harder.
0: Okay. Now, I do want to get back to that Australia bowling point that we uh, touched upon, Chapeli, uh, uh, Mitchell Stark and Josh Hazelwood, they are missing out the first test and there's also a quick turnaround before the second. The other Pacers in the squad, a Scott Boland, who's had a flying start at home, but never played a test outside Australia. And Lance Morris, who is away, who's quick, but he's never played a test match. How do you assess Australia's bowling combination? What is the best bowling attack in your mind that they can feel in the first test in Nagpur?
1: certainly going to be Cummins, who is a very good bowler under all circumstances. And he's also the captain, uh, and I think he's a very good captain. So, one of the reasons why Cummins is successful is because he's a very smart bowler as well as a good bowler. He doesn't he doesn't give you any peace as a batsman. He's at you all the time. And he's one of those guys that if you're batting against him, I think you've always got to be proactive. But if you can get a single off-bat Cummins and get down the other end, that's not a bad place to be. Um, now... Australia Australia had a perfect opportunity to play Lance Morris in Adelaide. It was a day-night test match. There were two injuries in the Australian side. They were playing the West Indies who just batted terribly. And, see, here's the thing about a bowler. So he had, Lance Morris has a reputation for being very quick and he gets uh, Sheffield Shield players jumping around. That's terrific. You always want a bowler who can make fellas hop around. But you've got to find out if that guy can do it at the highest level. So why the hell didn't Australia play Lance Morris in Adelaide to find out if he could get batsmen hopping around at the highest level? So if you're not going to play him in Adelaide where there would have been a bit of bounce, there'd been a bit of pace, and he was up against a very ordinary batting lineup, if you're not going to play him there, are they going to play him in India? It would be a hell of a shock to me if they did. I think they'll go with uh, Scott Boland. Now, Scott Boland is a a very accurate bowler, but he's, I I would say, he's a classic example of a batsman. If you are silly enough to allow Scott Boland to bowl at you all the time the way he wants to, then you'll get into trouble and you'll deserve to get into trouble. But the thing you know about Scott Boland is he's going to be accurate So you've got a pretty fair idea where the ball's going to be. And you've got to have an idea of where you're going to get the ball into a gap and get some runs. So uh, the Australian pace attack, uh, it'll be very good with Cummins. Scott Boland will do a tidy job. But can he get really good players out on Indian pitches? Well, we're about to find out. Now... Green, if Green's not able to bowl, that gives Australia a headache. Um, then they've got to decide whether they go with a third quickie. Now, as I said, that that would be Lance Morris for the first test. I don't. If you don't play him in Adelaide, I don't see how they're going to play him in Nagpur. So that means they're probably going to have to pick another spinner. Now, the greatest load of bollocks I've ever heard is that you must have a combination of a right armor as in Nathan Lyon and a left-armer, and in this case, it's Australia's uh, Ashtonaga. That's bollocks. You pick the best bowlers. Now, Astonago has got an average of 40-odd in first-class cricket. So you're telling me a guy who averages 40 in first-class cricket, you're suddenly going to pick him in test cricket? Um, I, I just don't understand that. I haven't seen – I virtually haven't seen Murphy at all. I You hear things about him. But again, it's against Shield players. There's rarely any Test players there. Hard to tell. But the question I would have is, you played Swepson all the time in Pakistan. And as Sanjay rightly said, the pitches are a hell of a lot different in Pakistan to what they are in India. But Swepson was good enough to play in uh, Pakistan, but suddenly you're not going to pick him in India. Um, All I'd say is that Australia... If they decide to go with two spinners, pick the two best bowlers. Don't say, oh, we've got to have this left and right combination purely because it's left and right. Uh, To me, that's rubbish. You pick the best bowlers.
0: I've been told, Chatele, that uh, the best part of doing shows with Ian Chappell is that you don't have to think too much about follow-ups as an anchor because everything gets covered. So thank you. You've covered the Australia... (laughs) Uh, side as, uh, as comprehensively as we'd have wanted. I will ask you for what you think will be the actual 11. But I'll give you a minute or two to think about that. I'll first go to Sanjay with the India 11. Sanjay, we've discussed all the factors, whether Surya, whether Gil, whether Rahul, should it be Kuldeep or Akshar? What's the combination? I'm sure you have it jotted down. So, Sanjay, take it away with India's playing 11, according to you, for Nagpur.
2: Right. So, Roy Sharma obviously opens uh, now. Rahul slash Gill. it will be a brave call for India to leave out somebody like kl Rahul. But I say that if you want to leave him out, it should be based on the entire career uh, that Kail Rahul has. And also current form and with Shuman Gill, you know, uh, doing the kind of wonder that he's done. And just the way he bats, uh, it will be very difficult for them to leave him out. So I don't know how they're going to go there with the opening. So I've got Rohit Sharma and uh, Rahul slash Gill. Uh, Pujara I still feel is needed uh, when India's batting becomes uh, you know with the next generation coming in and establishing themselves then you might think of leaving Pujara out I saw him in Bangladesh I saw him in that one of Test match in England too India still need the services of Pujara which is uh, uh, in a way disheartening that uh, you know the Indian batting is still not evolving the way their bowling is Virat Kohli at number four uh, as I said before, Surya Kumar Yadav with his ability to play the sweep shot, turning pitches to be expected. I'd rather have uh, Surya at five than Shubman Gill at five. So if Shubman Gill is in my playing eleven, he opens, and then Bharat as a keeper can't go with Ishan Kishan because keeping is a little more important in Test matches as opposed to white ball. Uh, Jadija at number seven, Ashwin. Uh, at number eight. And then I've got three seamers, Umesh Yadav, Siraj and Shami, assuming that it's not uh, a pitch where you won't need the third seamer. India have gone on occasions with just two seamers. Uh, if that's the case, then I'll go more with Akshar Patel than Kuldeep Yadav because if you have a turning pitch in India, you just want, you know, you don't look for uh, uh, exotic spinners. You just want guys who will bowl quickly on a particular... Uh, the spot on turning pitches. And if it's a ranked turner, I also believe that two spinners are enough. And India has proven that with Akshwin and Jadeja over the years. They've played Jayant Yadav, Kuldeep Yadav on occasion, but they've been grossly underbold. So two spinners are enough. I have three seamers based on the fact that it's not an out-and-out turning pitch, uh, that we get at Nagpur purely because of the quality of the seamer that India have. India have a lot of depth in their seam bowling, despite bumra not being there. They still have Shami, who is brilliant on these kind of pitches. Siraj, at the moment, is uh, at the top of his game. And he's somebody who's got to play every international match for India, whatever the format. And Umesh Yadav is a great uh, guy to have on Indian pitches with low bounce and reverse swing. So if it's a fair test match pitch, which is likely to go four or five days, that India might go with three seamers and two spinners that I mentioned.
0: I did not see that one coming. I would have expected three spinners. But uh, thank you, Sanjay, for that perspective. Jabari, your Australia 11 for the first test in
1: uh, Nagpur. Just before I get started, I'll make a comment about Australian batting against uh, a left-arm orthodox spinner. They do have a bit of a problem. There's a bit of history of not performing all that well against uh, left-arm spinners. Uh, The batting pretty well picks itself. You've got Warner, Kawaja, Uh, Lava Shane at three, Smith four, Head five. I I think they'll probably pick Green even if he can't bowl. I think they'll probably pick him as a batsman. If they decide not to uh, take a a punt on Green as a batsman, then Renshaw would come in at number six. Renshaw does bowl a little bit, um, but I, I, I wouldn't be putting too much faith in in Rich or as a bowler. Um, they've got three guys in love, Shane Smith, uh, who are both leg spinners, part-time leg spinners. And then you've got Head who's a part-time off spinner. So you can you can get some overs. And, and if the pitch is spinning a bit, you, you could get some quite reasonable overs out of those guys. Uh, Kerry can bat. Um, he's a wicketkeeper. I think his keeping has improved. Uh, but it'll be a bit of a challenge for him if he's got to spend a lot of time up at the stumps. Uh, that's a challenge that he that he hasn't had a lot of, and uh, he'll be tested out there. But uh, Kerry can bat. He uh, plays a lot of sweep shots, so uh, I would say about that Australian batting lineup that you would almost consider Kerry to be a number seven batsman for Australia in that lineup. Uh, Cummins, as I explained, Cummins is uh, is a very good bowler, very good captain. Um, he can be also a dangerous guy with the bat. Uh, if there's a bit of spin bowling around, uh, he can, again, be quite dangerous because he can play a bit. He can also hit a bit. Um, he has had his problems against the, the short pitch stuff when it's up around the nose. Um, then what they're going to do, I, I think... I think they'll go with Boland as the other uh, fast bowler with Cummins. Lyon, they'll obviously pick. And then the second spinner, well, I'm not sure who Australia will pick. Um, They may, if Green's not playing, they may be tempted to pick uh, Ashton Agar because they feel that Agar can bat a bit. But his bowling is the thing, to me... You've got to get your runs from the from the guys who have picked a bat, and you've got to get your wickets from the blokes who have picked the bowl. So I, I'm not sure because I haven't seen much of Murphy. Um, I'd probably hit. I'd probably pick Swepson as the second best spinner, but I'm not sure what Australia will do there. But uh, down down to eight, you can well you can pick nine, no problem at all. Come and say line nine. Bowl and they'll pick. In fact, you could probably pick 10 without any trouble. Uh, the second spinner, that that could be a bit of a lottery for Australia.
2: Quick point, uh, you know, just a little input as an Indian who's watched a lot of cricket in India on turning pitches. If we get a typical Indian turning uh, pitch, then maybe Australia should go with a spinner along with Nathan Lyons, somebody who's just quick and accurate out of the three options that they have. That's all you need. Uh, 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 we've seen foreign teams in the past pick spinners uh, just because they've seen a turning pitch. They pick a, pick the second spinner. But if he's too slow in the air, if he's a guy who's you know bowls with a lot of guile and deception in the air, those spinners don't prove to be as effective as guys who can bowl say 90 kilometers per hour, 80, 90, and are accurate. Whether it's a left-arm spinner or an off-spinner or leg-spinner, those are the kind of spinner that you want really on the kind of pitches that we have uh, generally in test matches in India.
1: Pick it's a baller who can get bats for now. <laughs>
2: that always helps.
0: <laughs> Just one question on the batting combination, uh, Chapelli. If Green weren't fit and if Australia pick Matt Renshaw, that would mean five left-handers in the top seven. Would that somewhere play into a big strength of Ravi Ashwin? Would you then consider Peter Hanscombe maybe?
1: Well, again, you know, I, I think it's a load of rubbish to worry about whether the guy's right-handed or left-handed. Now, you know, I, I see Ashwin's record. But if you think you can play, you've got to think that you can play Ashwin or whoever else bowls for India. So, you know, I, I think Renshaw would be delighted to, to get picked in the side. And if that means there's a lot of left-handed batsmen there and if Ashwin has a record of getting left-handers out, Okay, that's a problem, but it's it's only really a problem if the left-handers think, well, oh, hell, we've got to face Ashwin; he could get me out. Well, anybody can get you out. So I'm put it this way: if they think Hanscom is the the player in the middle order because he plays spin bowling, well, well, then pick him. That's that's fine. But pick the guys because you think they can bat. Pick the guys because you think they can bowl, not because, oh, he might get a few runs for us down the order and he might bowl accurately and tire them down. Well, I'm not picking bowlers because they can bat a little bit. I'm picking them because they get wicked. We forget about
2: Jadeja's, uh, you know, prowess against left hand batters. He's got an excellent record against left-hand batters. And because India have at least a couple of uh, right arm medium paces bowling over the wicket, there's going to be a rough for Jadeja to exploit, which he's done over the years. Second innings, there will be the perfect rough, uh, you know, outside the awesome for left-hand batters. So it's not just Ashwin who's going to be the threat. If you look at Jadeja's returns against right-handers, left-handers very close. So uh, it's not just Ashwin to worry about for left-handers. Jadeja through the rough, as Alistair Cook found out when he was here, uh, is uh, you know, Jadeja can be equally threatening, so can be akshar Patel.
0: Thank you, Sanjay, and thank you, Chapeli, for dispelling uh, what I thought uh, because uh, it is one of the problems with us T20 generation folks. We read so much into matchups, complicate what can be a simple sport still. Well, into extra time, so I'm going to get into the final word from both of you on this uh, as we wrap this conversation. Chapelle, with everything we've discussed, with India's problems in the batting, uh, players missing, does this series to you represent Australia's best chance of winning a Test series in India for the first time since 2004?
1: Well, I don't know whether it's the best chance or not, but they've got a chance of winning because they're a good cricket team. Unfortunately, they'll be missing two very good players, two very good bowlers in the first Test. But, uh, as I said earlier on, you, you know, There's only two teams playing, so you must have a chance of winning and you're both playing on the same pitch. And as you quite rightly pointed out, and I was told by Richie Benno, who was a very wise person as well as a very good cricketer and commentator, Richie Benno told me when I was 19, Ian, this is a simple game. The simpler you keep it, the better off you'll be. And I think that's the way you've got to approach India. Okay, that's not to say that it's going to be easy, but it's also to say it's not impossible. So, yes, Australia's got a chance. Is it their best chance? Well, I don't know, and what's more, I don't care. Because if you win the series, nobody worries about when the last time Australia won. Let's worry about Pat Cummins' team. And yes, I I think India's… I don't think I I would have India starting as favourites. But that doesn't mean I don't think Australia can win.
0: Sanjay, my final question to you is what, according to you, will be the defining battle of this India-Australia series? Uh,
2: Too many unknown elements in that Australian team. So, it's not… It's uh, something we will get to learn about all these batters who've got runs under the belt. Barring Steve Smith. Nobody uh some uh, you know that we've seen in india so uh, if they bat well and are able to show the form that they showed in elsewhere in the world then you know Australia becomes a formidable team uh for me i want just want to see how indian batting evolves uh, i'm fairly certain about how the bowling is going to do so really in the end if i have to look at just one aspect let's see whether this australian batting unit is a little different from all the batting units that have come to india before in the last few years and disappointed us terribly with the way they have coped with uh, the conditions that we have with india and the bowling attack so let's see whether this australian batting unit is a little different
0: okay then we went about 10 minutes uh, over the time we thought this would be which i think is okay because we'd expect people have the option just...
2: of switching switching us off so don't worry about it.
0: And plus, I mean, my, my sense of compensation here, Sanjay, is that uh, we, we'd expect in a test series, not all matches are going to five days. So hopefully, you gentlemen will save some time that okay. we added okay. here. Uh, but thank you so much. I extend uh, the, the deepest gratitude for, on behalf of the entire team here for your company. Thank your you. time and thoughts are always valued. Sanjay, Ian, thank you so much. Sanjay, thank we'll you. Uh, hear you on the broadcast, I'm sure. Tripetti, uh, you're going to be back soon. Uh, which is a reminder to our viewers, 9 a.m. right after the toss on day one of the Nakpur Test. Ian Schrappel will be on ESPN Trick & Match Day, and we will cover all the action from the Borugawa skirt trophy. We have waited a long time for this. We can't wait for the action to get started. Thank you so much for your coming.